Hello listeners, welcome back to the In Every Season podcast. I'm back again, I have another amazing, fantastic, fantabulous, I don't don't even know what other words to use, but she is amazing, guest for you today. Um, And like I always do, I'll let my guests introduce themselves. Um, So if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about your season. Hi everyone, my name is Ifi Bamiboye. Um, I am host and founder of Connecting Stories, which is my biggest passion really. Connecting Stories is a community I created for women where we can talk about life issues really on relationships, mental health and well-being. I created it because it was really important for me to have a space where I can inspire, empower and motivate the Black community really. But for my day job, I am a program manager for the NHS. I have two kids, married to one man. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I also lead a prayer community alongside my friend Bimbo and the prayer community is called Pray Without Season where we pray without season literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> um yeah so I, I like to say I wear many hats but yeah that's me. Oh thank you so much if you for introducing yourself. Um I have the next questions next couple of questions these are probably the most important questions of the podcast. So li- listen attentively and make sure you answer <laughs> okay. with all accuracy. What is your favorite meal? Not excited at all. Rice. <laughs> rice with pretty much rice in different in different ways. However, I'm trying not to make it my favorite meal. So white rice and stew, fried rice, jollof <laughs> rice, with chicken. <laughs> when I'm being good, I add some salad. When I'm not, I just eat in plain old carbs. <laughs> yeah, like not exciting at all. But I'm trying to make like veggies my favorite food. It's not working so far. Yeah, pretty much rice. <laughs> So what kind of veggies are you trying to make your favorite food? Maybe you haven't found your your right veg yet or your right veggies. No, literally everything. Carrots, broccoli, cauliflower, um, spinach. I hate kale. Apparently kale is really good for oh, you, but I hate really it. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was a time I was obsessed with um, kale. And then really? Other, yeah. Yeah, like you can even put it in smoothies and stuff. Yeah, that's the only way I can eat it actually is I put it in smoothies so I yeah. can't really taste it. But yeah. I tried cooking it, I tried eating it, I was like, no, this no. isn't for no, me. That can be really good. Have you had it in eggs before? You can put it in like eggs um, and it's really nice. No? Oh. No? Yeah. All right. All right. Move on swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this episode, we're going to talk about birthing. And um, yeah, the reason we're going to talk about birthing is not, you know, just because you've given birth, your children are quite grown now. So not because of that, but just really um, going back to the fact that 
sometimes um, good, good things can come out of hard places and um, where something either dies or a door closes, another one opens or in, there is a new birth. So yeah, so that's the topic for today. So can you begin to share your story and then we'll start unpacking that. Oh, that's, that's an interesting one because even the concept of birthing is a painful process, like literally birthing a child. But then in life as well, birthing most things comes from a place of, either comes from a place of pain or the process of birthing that thing is painful Mm -hmm. itself. Like Mm -hmm. it's not really, well, in my experience, it's never really a walk in the park. And when I think of all of the things that I've been able to birth, like even even something as simple as my nine to five, looking back, that was a birthing in itself. Mm. And that was quite a process Mm. because I had, I had initially been headhunted from uni when I finished my master's degree in Cardiff to come work in London at this company called Halcrow is closed down now. And I remember being so excited because before I left school, I already had a job. Right. And I moved here. I was getting married the same year. So it was really exciting. And the way they sold the job to me, like it sounded like the best job in the world. Mm-hmm. However, when I got into the role, it was literally <laughs> data analysis on spreadsheets. And I hate spreadsheets. So I did that for three years. I absolutely hated it. And I had my child, my first child, and child juggling childcare and work was really hard. So in the process of trying to navigate all of that, I remember crying a lot. I remember the whole experience of waking up in the morning and wanting to break my leg, literally. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go to job, I don't have to go to my job. And then one day my husband says to me, Oh, I got this contract in Singapore as an expert. Do you want us to move to Singapore? Wow. Like, wow. I was like, do I want us to move to Singapore? <laughs> I'm like, there's nothing to think about. Let's go. <laughs> that was 2011. Like it was the best best time of my life like we moved there for three years and I remember my dad saying oh you're gonna have all this free time on your hand maybe you should write a book maybe you should you know do something amazing in this time that you're gonna have but the truth is I didn't really breath anything in that time Mm. I I started a a jewelry business. I remember that because I was so bored and I had all this time on my hands, but I didn't know who I was. And I didn't, to be honest, I think looking back, I was really comfortable. (laughs) So I didn't like, now if I had all that time, I have a million and one things I could birth. But I, I share this story to say that as I, eventually when we moved back to the UK, it was like going from a mountain to a valley. Right. <laughs> like the shock, the culture shock, the fact that I had to like now suddenly find myself doing everything for myself again and having. So, can, so sorry, if you, can you just, can you give us insight to what your life looked like in Singapore then before you bring us back? Let's go there okay. with you. <laughs> and then Singapore, Singapore was 
amazing to say that. In fact, like amazing is an understatement. So think of like for those that are Africans in Nigeria, just think of the life that we would have living in Africa with maids, with stewards and everything. Think of the weather not being so harsh. It's tropical weather. So I was, I lived, I literally lived in shorts and, and a pair of slippers like every day. It was amazing. It, it was, and then it was a luxurious lifestyle. We lived in a condo, and our condo had four swimming pools. What? Four playgrounds. Like right outside my doorstep was a swimming pool. Literally, like right, like once I step out of the front of my house, go to the balcony, the next thing in front of me was a swimming pool. There was a gym which I never used. Whenever my friends came from the UK to visit, I led them into the gym. <laughs> We had basketball court, tennis court, sauna. We had everything. And by the way, we weren't even living in the most luxurious part because my husband is a saver. Mm -hmm. So we lived close to his work, which was not in the central part. So I had friends who were living a more luxurious life than me. But coming from the UK, the life I was living was luxury. Like you need to be some sort of, I don't know, aristocrat or celebrity to live that kind of life here in the UK. But that was, that was life in Singapore. We had a maid, which wasn't a big deal. And we paid, it didn't cost much. Mm -hmm. The holidays we went on, we literally did a tour of Southeast Asia. Wow. And it cost like when I'm saying these things, it sounds like, Oh my God, like it didn't cost that much, especially when you consider that you had to, convert the pound to their money right. it was a lot more and I remember whenever my husband booked the holidays he would ask them they'll be like this is the best resort in Vietnam and it was like maybe 400 pounds wow like yes we will have that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah try not to try not to brag so much because I think I know some of my friends are like they roll their eyes every time I talk about Singapore but to say that it was phenomenal like I would I've never experienced anything like that and I don't know if I will again but I think it was worth the experience because I remember going there and being really scared because I had no idea what it would look like but when we got there it was the best time of our life my husband and I got super close during that time as well it was it was amazing but imagine living that like I didn't have I, I was a kept woman Right. Was kept. Right. But the thing is, I actually said that statement to someone. We were just talking about something among those areas. And I was like, yeah, I remember when I first heard, um, I think when I was early in my marriage and we were moving to somewhere else. And um, the landlord of the property was like, oh, he was just curious about me. He was like, Abby, so, you know, do you work? Are you a kept woman? I was like, I work, but I want to be a kept woman. <laughs> yeah it was it was it was and I had my son there as well oh wow and having my son there it was it was amazing in fact I like to say to people like suffering is not a good thing (laughs) because I remember having my daughter here I had a cesarean um, a planned cesarean because I had some some issues story for another day And I felt that cesarean, oh my God, the pain from the hospital, like from the minute I, the, the anesthetic wore off and I opened my eyes, I felt the pain until I left the hospital and for another two weeks. Wow. But having my son in Singapore, I had a cesarean as well, Yeah, did not feel any pain. First of all, 
First of all, wait, wait, a- why is that? So why did you not feel safe? Because first of all, my hospital was like something out of a movie. Like it was like a hotel, but <laughs> hospital. I think that itself just like it took away like fifty percent of the Yeah, and then the nurses were like literally like clockwork, coming to give me like pain relief. Right. Like I didn't like. It's almost like they set they set their timing such that. As the pain was beginning to, in fact, before the pain starts to think about wearing off, someone has come to give me some painkillers. Mm-hmm. Contrast that to the UK where I was literally begging, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then the nurse would be like, yes, I'm coming. And then no one will show up for another one or two hours because they're doing the rounds. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, it was, it was, it was amazing. Like, and you know, I'm, I'm talking about work, right? Breathing work. So I, I lived this life. It was phenomenal. And then my husband's like, look, the kids are coming up to an age where my first daughter was going to go to school. And he's like, let's go back. I'm like, why? <laughs> but you don't want to go back. No, it's so funny because I remember crying when I was living in the UK, but then coming back, I did not want to come. Like I, I, I like to say my husband brought me back kicking and screaming. <laughs> But we came back and then it was school runs and then it was, I remember at the time we only had one car. So I had to like drop my husband off at work and then take the key, take my daughter to school, then come home, take care of my son. It was like, I had been to heaven. Right. <laughs> Someone decided to bring me back to hell. I remember, I remember saying to my husband, like, was it worth it? Like, should should we even have gone to Singapore? It's almost like someone lets you know. Someone How can I you know. taste that goodness? And come you know, back. I'll come back to this. Like, what did I do wrong? Who did I offend? Why am I here? Like, it took me like another, at least a year and a half. Wow. To adjust to the shock of coming back to the DIY life of the UK. Right. But the reason I paint the story is... When I came back after six months of, you know, doing all of this, taking care of the house and just trying to live, Mm. I knew I had to go back to work, but then I hadn't worked for three and a half years. My, and then I'd had a baby and my brain was just not there. So I, I started to do some professional courses. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Like it was really like, a, it was, it was one of the most challenging periods of my life, trying to take care of two very young kids, yeah. try to take care of the home and have to do this professional course yeah. that was really intense. I did two actually, mm-hmm. but then I knew that this was the only option. I knew I couldn't go back to my old job. I didn't want to go back to my old job. I didn't want to ever go back into that space of doing data analysis. So I, I did these courses to become a business analyst and that was how I got. And it was my, I remember my interview was three hours long. What? Wow. It was like when I was done, I had a headache, <laughs> but, but I look back now and I knew that I had to go through all of that process because very quickly my career just took a very amazing trajectory. Right. But birthing that, like going through that was 
through the pain, there were so many times I wanted to give up. Plus, I think I must have been a little bit, I don't want to say depressed, but just yeah. overwhelmed because right. I was like, why am I, why am I doing all this? This is not the life that I should be living. Like I could have been living a much better life. Because I remember leaving Singapore and all my friends are like, why are you leaving? You guys should stay and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was, I'll say that's the first thing I remember really, really birthing was my career, you know, true thick and thin. And looking back now, it's been amazing. Like it's been such an amazing journey. Mm-hmm. But then whilst all of this was happening, I was quite, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you, looking back now, I don't know if it was the stress of coming back, but my husband and I just started to go through all sorts of challenges mm-hmm. in our marriage. And I remember crying a lot. Mm. always crying always frustrated having meltdowns (laughs) thinking I don't want to do this again like I have some friends who are like you know it's never occurred to me to leave my marriage I was like wow lucky you (laughs) it must be nice (laughs) (laughs) because I had lots of meltdowns and that was how my first women's group I'd like to say was best because I remember lying on the couch I still remember it as clear as night and day now Mm. lying on the couch and just thinking about what my exit options out of my marriage was Mm. and I heard God tell me clearly get a group of women together and start praying Mm. and I was like huh like how does what does this have to do with anything right right right. I'm talking about something else (laughs) exactly yeah so I remember that day taking my phone and texting I, I I drew up I I wrote a text and I sent it out to as many women as I had on my whatsapp at the time and some people didn't respond but quite a lot of people responded and I think about 20 25 so what, what did the text say like what did I can't remember a word for word right now but I just I think I tapped something along the lines of I hear God saying that I should get a group of women together to pray I think it'll be really good for us to you know, create a culture of studying the word and praying together. Mm-hmm. And then I, I must have referenced some scriptures. I honestly can't remember. This was like four years ago, mm-hmm. years ago. So I sent that text out. Some people said they didn't respond because they thought it was a forwarded message. <laughs> but because of the way I wrote it, because I didn't put my name at the end. Mm-hmm. But then about 25 of us started a WhatsApp group called Women of Faith. And that was the beginning of birthing a lot of the things that I do now. Because what happened very quickly was that as I formed that group, I I built a relationship with all these women Mm. started to tell me their own pain and their own struggles. Mm. And the attention shifted off of my own pain to looking for ways to help these women and constantly creating conversations that would take them towards a solution to, and out of the rut that they found themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that was eventually how Connecting Stories was birth. Because I knew the more I did that, the more I came in contact with other women who didn't have any kind of support system. Right. So I... I thought, you know what, this can't just be a closed group. This can't just be something that I do within prayer and studying the word. As amazing as it was, I knew that there was a a need 
to create a space where women who didn't have a support network or women who didn't have a voice or didn't just have an outlet could come together and have meaningful conversations on any challenges they had in their relationships or their you know, mental health or even trying to, to birth a new career because these were all things that I had walked through. Right. This, was, this, this was pain that I understood and I had lived and I was still living and it just... It's, it's been an amazing journey. The interesting thing with that is as I was birthing those things, God was working on my relationship with my husband because suddenly my own perspective of the challenges that we had shifted. Right. But right. sometimes I would hear some of these stories and come home and be, say to my husband, you are amazing. <laughs> right. Right. Old. right. Right. And, and then I'll tell him some of the stories and he'll be like, wow, like, while like people actually walking through that because sometimes when you're navigating your own pain you feel like that's all that is important but then you hear some stories and then it brings you to a place of gratitude and thankfulness so I say all this to say that a lot of the times people will breath things from a place of pain Mm -hmm. when you're really comfortable when everything is going okay there's no there's no incentive should I say to breath anything and it's the same thing with physically giving birth to a child until those contractions happen that push you the baby is just going to be sat in there right Right. there is pressure that always leads you to birthing something right right I love that I love that I love that and I love it isn't it funny how the healing only started in your marriage when you were doing something else like it's all related but you know at that point that you mentioned that you were talking to God about it like oh my gosh what am I gonna I I can just imagine you um (laughs) you know just and then God is like gather women together and you're like what's the correlation yeah I didn't see it but I yeah I didn't see it at all it wasn't it didn't make any sense to me but I did it anyway yeah yeah and I guess that's that's sometimes how life is. We always say that, you know, things work together, all things work together. And a lot of the time we don't see how the dots join up. They're yeah. just all these dots. Yeah. And you're just like, how are they going to join up? And it's only later down the line that you can go back and look in, in hindsight to say, Oh, oh, I get it now. (laughs) And and I think that that's the thing about when we pray about something or when we are even just trying to find the solutions for something, Mm. the answer is never really what we think. Mm. Because for me, like I remember all of my prayers then was like, fix him, fix my husband, (laughs) him, change him, make him what I want him to be. Mm. But that's not, that's not really how God answers it. So, yeah, yeah. I'm um, sorry. That was that was my alarm. So we might have to repeat that part again because I'll have to edit it. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I say? Oh yeah. So just start from like fix him, and then. Do you remember? Yeah. So I can't remember what I said now. <laughs> Yeah, so when we pray or when we're trying to find the solutions 
to a problem, the answer is never really what we think it would be. Mm. Because I remember my prayers then being, fix him, Lord, change him, make him. Why doesn't, why doesn't he understand what I'm trying to say to him? Right. But the only answer that I clearly got from God was get a group of women together. Right. You know, and that is, that is how I think that we find the solutions is to realize that it's not always what we think Mm. would be but even when it's unclear to just trust the process right and walk through it because there's always healing on the other side right I love that I love that there's always healing on the other side and it doesn't look like what we think it looks like um sometimes it's it's a longer way around but when you get there it, it will be well worth the journey and you would have taken a lot of people um, with you along the way, if that makes sense. Because, yeah. Um, I suppose if, if God just said, okay, yeah, fixing this marriage just like that, a group wouldn't have been started. You wouldn't have had those conversations. You wouldn't have been able to, you know, reach out and and touch, you know, some of the lives of these women. And, and one of them is me included. You know, I think I met you physically the day of my husband's funeral and since that day I I would like to say we're inseparable in a kind of (laughs) even though COVID has separated us physically (laughs) (laughs) physically but you know just just that so sometimes we pray for these things and they will come but God wants to take us on another journey with a lot of people you know so and like I've just given that example like myself included in that that journey to healing but you know I you kind of pick me up on the way drop me somewhere else and then I go off <laughs> on my way pick up some other people and I just think it's important to 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 know that I guess um that it's it's about more than just our, our situation and that's yeah. where the birthing element comes in because birthing is multiplication isn't it when you birth something you are one when you give birth to a child, you've now become two in a sense. There's another one. So, so yeah, so thank you. For and you know, as you say that, I realize now that God is interested in, in us constantly birthing things. Like when he right. said, be fruitful and multiply and right. fill the earth. Right. I feel like that wasn't just literal giving birth right. to people, right. but it is giving birth to change, mm. to healing, to to ministries, mm. to new ideas. Right. But the thing is, if you don't ever walk through a place of helping someone else birth something or helping someone else heal, then that doesn't become a multiply a multiplied process. Right. Because I truly believe that where you shared your story in terms of meeting me. And I walking on this healing journey with you, you've gone on to become a, a part of someone else's healing process and it multiplies and it spreads all over the place. But then if I had stayed in my own pain, then that breathing wouldn't happen for so many other people. Because I truly believe that every single person that's come in contact with me or with you or with anyone else as long as you bring something positive into that person's life, as long as you're birthing your own thing, whatever it is that you're birthing, 
you're inspiring someone else to go on and birth what they're called to birth and they all go on to inspire someone else. And it just becomes this big thing because the only thing guaranteed for all of us is pain. Right, right. Pain is sure. But what do we do with that pain? Does that pain become the platform with which we can go on to be a change and pay it forward and spread it around like wildfire? But I, I really see that in pockets all around. And as long as we all continue in that birthing process, in spite of the pain, mm-hmm. it's just like when you're physically giving birth to a child, because you've gone through that pain of the labor, you don't decide, oh, I'm never going to do it again. Like most of the people was like, I'm never going to do it again. You go on to do it there, again. There's ones that there. <laughs> when people say that, I'm just like, keep quiet. <laughs> Until you leave the age of childbearing, don't, don't, don't believe you. Don't say anything. <laughs> no, yeah. you're so right. You're so right. So then, you know, another, you know, we've spoken about pain and birthing. So can you speak to us more about that in terms of, you know, a lot of people think that I'm go may think that, you know, I'm going through some hard stuff. I can't possibly help anyone. I for fact know that actually. In, in that time, that's actually when you can do a lot of work to help people. And it's not even like, oh, I need to start this or do that. But just even just even you reaching out to others or even sharing and being open and honest and sort of vulnerable in that, because there's something in, so you hold them um, connecting stories retreats and there's something in, um, I, I remember being at, a couple of them and where when when we you know everybody kind of have nothing to say and the moment someone says something someone's like oh yeah me too oh yeah. yeah me too oh I didn't know I was the only one who felt like that oh and this is my experience but when no one says anything or does anything everybody again keeps their pain to themselves I don't know if it's because we feel ashamed or is it because we feel that everybody else's life is better than us or do we feel that um it's only once we're past the 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 sorest part of the pain that we can now come back and say oh yeah life has been now great there was a little bit of pain that side and now everything is okay this can be you as well um so yeah just speak to us on that because I guess it is hard to walk with others while you're in the midst of pain but sometimes I think that's the most powerful time as well yeah I agree with you it's it's definitely the most powerful time because I I remember when I I started that women's group the prayer group people probably thought oh ify she has it all together she's so spiritual she's this amazing person but that was so far from the truth A lot of the times I would lead the prayer calls or I would lead the Bible study and share all of these amazing insights with these women. And I would cry myself to sleep that night, Mm -hmm. night after night. Mm -hmm. But then, while I consider myself an open person, I think it's because I've always understood that none of us have it all together. And when when you look through scriptures... Jesus never called people who were finished products, Mm. but he never saw the finished products of these disciples in his lifetime on the earth. They became, they walked into their calling and became the people they were destined to be after he had left the earth. 
So I've always known that God is more, actually God always works with people who are broken. He always works with the unfinished product. So that idea that you have to have it all together before you birth anything is not true. And again, I keep referencing physically birthing a child you have no idea what you're going to do with this child. You have no idea if the child is going to come out okay. Some people birth a child that is disabled and you now have to navigate that. You know, you you have no idea. It's not like they say to you, right, now you go get an education, you know, make sure you're ready, make sure you understand every single thing. Even if you did that, nothing will prepare you for the actual reality of that birthing process. So, yeah, my experience has always been that you you birth things and you do what you're called to do right in the middle of your pain. And whilst you're doing that, you actually wake up one day and realize that you're not the same person that you used to be. Right, right. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things. And people like to use the example of the caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. Mm -hmm. You know, you wake up one day and you realize I'm beautiful. Mm -hmm. And all of the broken parts of me were all actually part of who I am and who I should be and my story and my journey. And like you said, once one person is willing to be vulnerable, once one person is willing to be open, Again, like that multiplying factor, right. it enables everyone else to own their own story, to own their truth and talk. And then the healing be- begins for all of those. Because I think one of the biggest sources of our sufferings are the lies that we tell ourselves. Come on, yeah. yeah. Because we refuse to own the reality of our brokenness right. and our struggles and our pain. But the moment you're willing to feel what you feel and know what you know unashamedly unashamedly now the healing can begin because now you're in a place where you can begin to find the help that you need begin to find the inspiration that you need either through someone else's story mm-hmm. or or things around you because now you're you're free enough to receive whatever healing would come to you mm. so yeah, I, I think it's really powerful to to step out in spite of the pain obviously if people you know have mental health challenges or walking depression I I think that is really important to get help with that but generally you do yourself a disservice when you're waiting to be perfect before you step out and a lot of times none of us are perfect a lot of times some people would never see that perfection in this lifetime no it's right I'm always Mm -hmm. asking that question do we ever arrive like it's a journey and I don't think we ever arrive not on this side anyway not yeah not on this side oh thank you so much for sharing um I actually wanted to ask you you know we're talking about brokenness so what what are some of the things like the main pointers in your life um, where things happen and it broke you to the point that you thought I, I'm at this life, like, what is it? How do I go on? How do I move forward? Can you talk us through some of those? That's, that's really easy to answer. For me, it was grief. It was, and I've, I've been quite acquainted with grief. I've lost a lot of people in my life, but definitely losing my dad in 2015 
shook my core, shook the parts of me that I didn't even know existed. I felt physical pain from losing my dad. Like I, I remember like all parts of my body, like literally aching. I remember that that was the first time I understood what it meant to have a broken heart. Mm. Like people always say, oh, he broke my heart. He broke my heart. <laughs> no, he did not. I relate. <laughs> <laughs> he did not break your heart. <laughs> um, because the, I think that the brokenness that comes from dealing with grief, and you would know this, yeah. is, is, is not something that you can explain to anyone. No. And I think maybe for me, the, the way it happened and the fact that I've, I had so many things that I hadn't said to my dad mm-hmm. at the point where he died, we were walking through a lot of things as a family and we had so many unfinished conversations. Mm-hmm. I remember speaking to him and then 30 minutes later, he literally dropped dead, literally from a heart attack. Wow. And he was also he was also a man of faith, so that caused me to question everything I believed, right. because I felt like God let me down. Mm. So yeah, to answer your question, I think for me, grief, losing a loved one, definitely makes you think what it, what exactly is this life like? Is it even worth it? Is it worth everything that we do? And in many ways, the pandemic has been like that for me as well losing my next door neighbor and watching them take her body out. It, it, it does something to you. Like when you know that this person just like me was here living, breathing, live, doing everything, hustle and bustle, you know, going to work, trying to just make ends meet and suddenly they're gone. But I, I think it's also really humbling. Eventually when you get over the, trauma of that it makes you appreciate life even more and for me it makes me really conscious of how much time we don't have sit around and feel sorry for ourselves and not birth things and not become the people that we're destined to be because we don't have forever to get it right so yeah definitely grief grief did that to me yeah I, I hear you on that definitely grief makes you feel like what is the point? Why are we here? Why are we here? <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> What's the point? Mm. What is the point? And I remember, like, you know, and I'm sure you, you can identify with having a period where probably people are talking to you, saying things, and maybe you can't hear or you can't see. And you're just like, for me, anytime I know that I'm triggered or I'm in the depths of grief, I I call it, like I say, I begin to um, sort of walk and think in slow motion. Like everything just gets... Everything just gets really slow. (laughs) Right. And you just like, for me um, now, as I'm on my journey sort of going, you know, to the third year of loss, um, it looks different in terms of I slow down and I savor things. But initially it was a slowing down and just thinking like a pondering, like, why are we here? Like, what is the point? If if this is the end of everything, why do I need to do anything? Why do I need to get out of bed? Why do I need to do all of these things? 
and you know I was asking those questions and God said to me one time um you know I just heard you know because I'm always having conversations back and forth in my head with God who knows but conversations and I heard um you know why 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 do we wash the plates like we know that we can use them <laughs> eat again because you you can use it wait, so plate. are you gonna are you oh are you gonna eat with the dirty plate or do you right. mean like wait until it's time to eat and then wash it again right but it's still gonna get dirty and it will be back <laughs> there again it is a cycle and i think that's what i had to now start to realize that the point is it's for that moment. You wash it because you need to eat from it. And once you've eaten from it, it will get dirty and you will need to wash it. As long as you're living and eating, you have to keep going, basically. Do that cycle. You'll need to yeah. do it. Um, you can avoid it, but there's a point that you'll, you'll, you'll need to wash the plates. Like you can pile them up that high. <laughs> but at some point, you won't have You're going to have to wash it. <laughs> you're going to have to wash it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's life really isn't it right right absolutely it's just life and 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 that's the cycle of life so um I guess just just moving on um and you know for you what what kind of tips or advice would you give people who have been brokenhearted or who have you know gone through pain and hard seasons um yeah, so what kind of advice would you give them in order to to participate in life, to move on, to to sort of, I won't say move on, sometimes with loss, you may just have to move forward. But yeah, yeah what kind of advice would you give people? I'll say firstly to process, process what's happened. Right. Because sometimes there's a risk of just rushing on mm. and trying to just get up and do but there is a period of processing and sitting in that pain and then I think ask questions I think it's really important to ask questions a lot of people have this school of thought that you do not ask God why Mm. but I think in order to move forward as you say there's a place of asking why Mm. Because in asking, God is big enough to handle our questions. He can handle it. And if you look through scriptures, lots of people asked God what was going on. Why is this happening? God doesn't necessarily have to answer you. But I think that he shows his hand in different ways. Maybe not in ways that you would want. But asking questions will lead you to a place where God begins to show you why you've come to this place where you are Mm. and it is in that place that you eventually birth something for the people who take the time out to process what's happened whatever kind of situation it is and then to ask questions will eventually get an answer in terms of how to move forward and what to do and you know how that that popular saying that your mess is your message Mm. usually when you see someone birth something amazing, there's a story of grief and of pain and of frustration. There's a a restlessness behind that thing. And that's what I was trying to explain at the beginning where I was saying, 
when you're really comfortable, when everything is going right, mm. there's usually no incentive to do anything. Mm. But when there's a burden, when there's something that you're not happy with, there's something that you're frustrated about, that is the place where you birth stuff. So when you've asked questions and when you're frustrated enough with the situation, your eyes begin to open mm. the opportunities mm. around you and to your destiny, because mm. usually in that, there is something that God has called you to. There is something that God wants you to do with your life here on the earth. I also really encourage people to read a lot of autobiographies Mm. because when you read the life of all of these amazing people that have either walked the earth and are no more or are still here doing amazing things, Mm. you would see their own birthing process and their pain and it triggers something on the inside of you. So my, my advice would be to to walk through the process, to ask questions. And then when you get an answer and when you find your path to just go ahead and walk it. Mm, Amen to that, yeah. Amen to that. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure having you. Um, Before we leave, could you tell our listeners more about Connecting Stories and how they can connect with you? Um, There's a space. (laughs) So I've got a podcast, Connecting Stories podcast. It's on Apple, Spotify and Google. You have to type Connecting Stories podcast to find it. I've got a website as well, www.connectingstories.co.uk. You can find me on Instagram at Connecting Stories, Twitter as well. Clubhouse would be my name, Ifi Bamiboye. So yeah, I am on social media. (laughs) (laughs) And I always like, I always like to connect with people. It's my thing. I love to meet new people. So yeah, feel free to reach out. And thank you, Abby, for having me. No problem. Thank you for being such an amazing guest and an amazing friend. Um, It's been a pleasure. Um, Okay, listeners, thank you so much. Um, Bye.